once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Greetings, Captains. You're listening to episode 275 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, June 20th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And as always, locked away in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Howdy, folks. All right, Kenna, let's jump right in. What do we have in store this week? Well, this week we're trekking out how Star Trek is stealing the show at E3. We also get a glimpse into what Spock might be facing in Star Trek Beyond. In Star Trek Online, we've got a ton of new information about the upcoming Agents of Yesterday. Later, there's no shortage of stunning artistry done by fans like you, and our own lead artist, Henry, spotlights some of their work. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And of course, we love to keep that conversation with you going. So visit us on our social media websites like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. And speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours. Oh, wow. You guys are going to be pla- Oh, man. You're not going to get anything It's done. sad because I would like to know what you guys are- Well, I know who, what Mark is like when he's sober. But I would yeah. like to know what, you, who, what you're like in person sober, and I'm not going to get to experience that. Yes, you will. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he sobers up slightly. <laughs> or wait, when you say bottles- Wait, you don't pack shampoo? You steal the sh- You end up- Stealing a whole bunch of no. shampoo from the hotel. <laughs> Bringing my bottles of shampoo from home, you moron. It sounded. It sounded like you said, "I need to bring a bigger bag because then I then I'm gonna bring. I'm coming back with a bunch no, no, of shampoo." No, no, no. On the way there. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. And listen, if a financial contribution just isn't an option, there are other ways that you can help improve Priority One. For instance, we're still looking for a team of bloggers, so if you are always in the know about Star Trek news and want to share that information with other listeners, then shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out some of the latest news in the world of Star Trek. I don't know. Then let's check it out. VR. The technology fad that made you nauseous in the 80s, but excited you to be immersed in the game. Well, as you might already know, VR, or virtual reality, has grown up quite a bit in the last 20 years. So much so that major console companies like PlayStation are investing heavily on its development. Finally, we have the processing power to produce hyper-realistic experiences. We can be in the Matrix. You know what experience I've always wanted? To command the bridge of a starship with my friends. You too, right? You know you do. Yeah. I want to command the bridge of a starship with my enemies. (laughs) 
You're just weird, Kenneth. <laughs> Take, for instance, Star Trek Online. While it was still in development, I remember quite clearly the forums clamoring for cooperative bridge crew gameplay. For instance, Ken is the captain, and I'm the lackey, I mean, yeoman, that gets her coffee. That's right. Unfortunately, Star Trek Online wasn't designed for that. And a few years later, a game called Artemis hit the scene that allowed you to network PCs and tablets together and simulate a starship experience. It wasn't Star Trek, but it might as well have been. It's a really cool game, and links to videos of it will be in the show notes, of course. If you're looking for a reason to have a really geeky party, Artemis is, like, the thing to do. It's um, it's it's great. No, oh, I, I did. I watched some videos of it, actually. There's a video of uh, some Comic-Con somewhere where it was... Will Wheaton was the captain and, you know, a bunch of guys that he hangs out with were the various pieces of the bridge crew. And it was so entertaining. It was so fun yes. to watch. Yeah. Now, the developers at Ubisoft have taken it to the next level. What was originally designed as an experiment has now become an actual, playable gaming experience. Now, with your Oculus Rift, PlayStation VR, or HTC Vive... You can now be on the bridge of the starship Aegis and fulfill your role as engineer, helmsman, tactical officer, or even capitan. This is Artemis on steroids, or at least with a much larger budget. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're skeptical about this new VR fad, and it's okay, because I am too. But if you watch the trailer for this game, which features LeVar Burton, Jerry Ryan, and Carl Urban, you can tell that their reactions and excitement over this experience is authentic. Now, you can't really ignore the fact that the graphics seem a little underwhelming, seems a little dated, but for an experimental project that morphed into an actual game, it looks pretty cool. More importantly, I think, is that this is going to be more about the experience of of, of being a part of a bridge crew with your friends, the cooperative experience. Much like it is with Artemis. Artemis is not a beautiful game. It's, it's you know, it's... It's, it's pretty basic. Very basic, mm -hmm. right. It's, it's designed by somebody who has a passion for developing. It's not yeah. designed by a major development firm, a major developer. Artemis was really more a, a labor of love, it seemed. But it's the experience of being able to... to Play with your friends in that type of environment. And like Kenna mentioned earlier, those videos are fun. They're just fun to yeah. watch and you almost you want to experience it yourself. So if you'd like to learn more, then head over to a CNET article that we'll have linked in the show notes, of course, because the writer of the article spoke with some of the game developers and, and pieced together a nice bullet point list of, of the game features and what you can expect at launch and what you can expect later on down the pipe. Yeah, so I'm torn on VR. I love the concept, except the idea of, of having my vision completely blocked in for playing. And if you see the, <laughs> the pictures of people playing VR, I just, I'm not sure I can quite get my head around to it. I, I, I'm hoping that it will be something that in a few years time will be affordable, that you could do, you know, occasionally. At the moment, it's like super expensive, right? I, honestly, um, I feel the same way. I feel like the technology is still very new and it's very bulky and it can be very expensive depending on which route you take. The HTC Vive is really pricey. The Oculus Rift, really pricey. And of course, with the PlayStation VR, you have to invest not only in the headset and the controllers, but of course the console. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same with any new technology that comes out though, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah no, well, it is the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it will get but cheaper. It will get cheaper if... 
it picks up, right? Yeah. If if the yeah. if people start to really want to do this, and it seems like that's the direction. It seems that this VR experience is really starting to take hold. Look at the place in Utah. You know, there's a a, a whole complex, a whole compound being built where you can put on the, the Gear VR and walk through a warehouse. And the game has been designed where, you know, you walk up to a wall and it's a, there's you see a panel, but, you know, it's just a, a regular wall. So the games have been built around the environment wow. so that you can interact. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I should have to check that out. I mean, I think, you know, back in the 80s, I remember looking at some, you know, playing with these huge VR helmet things that were like too, suspended yeah. from the ceiling and um they made you really seasick um yeah. and we now we now are at the point where we've got the technology to do it and i i think conceptually it's really really exciting but you know uh, well like we said with the with the cost of it it will come down eventually if it catches on if you remember when uh hd dvd and blu-ray came out it was the same thing some people went why why would you want that there was a bit of a fight for a while, and now it's the standard. So, you know, maybe it'll go that way. Who knows? Well, I'm really excited because, so the place in Utah is called The Void, and they are coming to New York City to Madame Tussauds, the wax museum. Yep. And they're actually doing a Ghostbuster adventure. Oh, right. So you can walk through an environment with the gear, headset, and the again, the game has been designed to match with the environment. Right. And I'm going to be able to fight ghosts in New York City. That's kind of cool. It's it's, it's kind of cool. Re- I'm excited. I'm excited, and I'm I. It's like a 15 minute thing, but mm-hmm. whatever. I was. It's. I'll be in the city anyway for the uh, Intrepid Starfleet Academy. So I figured, yeah, let me. Tr- I really want to try this because if I, I I've seen the videos for the Void in Utah, mm-hmm. the complex, mm-hmm. and it's really epic. It looks just amazing. So I'll I'll have to report back on that when I do it. Okay. Well, in movie news, Zachary Quinto was recently interviewed by Entertainment Weekly about his character in the third installment of New Trek. When asked about what challenges Spock faces in the film, Quinto replied, quote, His planet was destroyed and they're rebuilding, and he's trying to figure out where his energy is best directed to help other people. He comes into a new awareness of his own mortality for a number of reasons. And there's a lot of stuff that he's trying to figure out in this film. By the end, I think he realizes the best path for himself moving forward. End quote. So I have a feeling that they have, in fact, written something in about Prime Universe Spock passing away in some way. Which is why he, quote, comes into a new awareness of his own mortality. Yeah, I kind of got that feeling from that quote as well. Um, and I, I vaguely remember them saying that they were actually acknowledging it in the film. I almost want to say that's confirmed, but maybe not. I think you're right, actually. Uh, I would be disappointed if they didn't make reference to it right. because um, Spock is such an iconic character. It would, I think it would be a disservice to the fans and I think it would be a disservice to the franchise if they did not in some way have an honoring of Leonard Nimoy in there. And finally, in Priority One podcast news, we're going to Vegas, baby! We're thrilled to announce that several members of the crew will be in attendance at Creation Entertainment's Star Trek Las Vegas convention. We finally secured our table in the main vendor hall, and we're looking forward to meeting many of you in person. So, who's going to be there? Well, Elijah and I will be there for sure, working the table and working interviews. Mark Winters and Jace will also be there supporting us and bringing us coffee and sandwiches. 
And of course, we want to say a huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who have helped make this possible. We're really looking forward to the opportunity to bring you loads more of the Star Trek content you love, direct from Las Vegas. So th- this is absolutely exciting news. It's uh, great to be able to announce that we have locked in our table. Uh, it'll be an amazing year again in 2016, and we can't wait to meet so many of you who have uh, who have actually expressed threatening messages that if we didn't go, it would be a problem. So we will be there. So thank you so much for your support these last several weeks, and uh, we'll see you in August. Now let's get Mark in on this discussion and find out what's been happening this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to Star Trek Online News, where Mark and I take you through the big news of the week in Star Trek Online. And this week we had plenty of news, with loads of new details on what to expect from the Agents of Yesterday expansion, which launches in just over two weeks. Woohoo! And the theme of that seems to be temporal. Temporal, temporal, temporal. That word's going to be said a lot over the next little while, it would seem. So much, it may start to lose all meaning. Everything's going temporal, including some bridge officers. These officers will have an understanding of temporal mechanics that are applied in a broader sense. Subtle, local fluctuations that are just outside the temporal cords. The primary mechanic is being called entropy, which will generate on foes, essentially causing technology to rot from the inside out, limiting ability to raise the defence and causing damage. It's going to be quite unique, to say the least. Essentially, this is a new specialisation for bridge officers like Pilot, Command and Intel that we've had before. We've picked out a few interesting abilities to share, but the whole list is available in the recently published blog, which we always link in our show notes. For ground, we have one called Degeneration, which will afflict a single foe with a physical damage over time that will grow over time. It's being described as a very quick cooldown, allowing frequent reapplication. And we also have Chronoplasty reversing the effects of recent damage and restoring your health. Two space ones that we pulled out, the Heisenberg Amplifier, the targeted foe, and all of their allies within 5km are instantly teleported in a random different direction, facing a random direction and are confused for several seconds. I love the sound of this. The teleporter will not function in very large or stationary foes, but the confuse will. And finally, for the space one that we picked out, the Gravimetric Conversion, which will instantly drain the shields of all foes within a medium radius around yourself, restoring your old shields by amount relative to those drained from foes. So basically, foes with Entropy will lose more shields from the ability, which will result in a greater amount of heal towards yourself. Are there any abilities we've picked out or not picked out that any of us are looking forward to trying? I don't know. I, honestly, I read through this, and there, there, there's so much there that it's going to take me a little bit of time to absorb everything. So I'm holding fire. I'd like to see what some people do with it on Tribble, uh, and then I will make my judgment afterwards. Winters? I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm still on the fence whether or not I'm actually going to get any of the ships for any... You know, and Obviously, I'm going to need temporal ships in order to use temporal bridge officer abilities. And I'm I'm on the fence whether or not I'm actually going to even bother getting them. Well, the thing is, with the ability of a ship to use a temporal bridge officer, would that tip the scales for you in terms of 
would you buy it or not? Or are you looking more for other things? So weapons layout, uh, shield capacity, etc., etc. Yeah, it's probably something like that. You know, I'm I'm looking... I'll I'll have to take another closer look at the stats of the ships. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably have to take a much more in-depth look at the all of the bridge officer abilities and see if I can come up with any ideas for builds or you know if I see something cool and be like oh that'd be a great thing to do you know on this type of ship or you know I can think of a build straight away for it well for me I choose my ships sort of on the feel of them so what kind of backstory can I make for my character does it look right you know, I don't even really like using event ships very much because I play a Federation character. I'd like her to have a Federation ship. I'm sure that there are people like me. So my choice as to whether to fork out for one of the new ships is going to be based on that more than whether they will take a temporal bridge officer. So, for instance, my fleet arbiter that I like takes an intel bridge officer which I like, and I use her or his, I don't remember which one it is, uh, bridge officer abilities in Intel. I use override subsystems. But it was not a deciding factor on whether I bought that ship. I'm kind of like that. I'm going to have to play about with it before I decide if I'm going to drop any real money on the ships to see if it's worthwhile. But that kind of does bring us to this week's community question. Are the new temporal bridge officers enough to tempt you into buying a new temporal ship to make use of them? But speaking of that specialisation, we are getting a new one. And can you guess the name? Yep, temporal. Temporal operative, that is. This will be a primary specialisation, but can be used as a secondary if you only want to benefit from the first 15 abilities offered. With all new specialisations, everyone instantly wants to know two things. The passive and the trait. The passive estate is being, quote, plus 5 to 50 exotic particle generator skill and kit performance skill. The bonus starts at plus 5 once you have a single ability purchased with the specialisation being active. It scales up by plus 1.5 with each ability purchased, up to a total of plus 50 once the specialisation is complete. End quote. And the trait, quote again, will be non-linear progression. An unconventional tactic to say the least. Engaging your ship in reverse will offer benefits as you slowly slide backwards in time at a very measured pace. It removes the power drain penalty from moving in reverse, and after travelling in reverse for 5 seconds, will restore a small amount of hull and shields every second while remaining in reverse. End quote. Also to go with this, there is an impressive list of abilities over in the blog post, again, show notes, go look at them, that mainly deal with damage over time effects, exotic damage, and teleportation. Now, I just want to touch on this, because the first time I read this, I didn't pick up on it, and when you said it this time, I totally picked up on it. You get benefits from going in reverse, and this is highly appealing to me as You spend most of your time doing that. I do spend quite a lot of time in reverse, because I fly cruisers, and I prefer my... Okay, I like my Arbiter. I know. I sound like a broken record, but it's a 5-3 weapons configuration. So for me, it works to be head-on 
I mean, I, I, I do fly in circles a bit, but mostly I try to get head on <laughs> and I just kind of go eat or eat forward, back, forward, go, back, forward, back, forward, back within, you know, whatever my, you know, target distance is. And yeah, reverse doesn't really do you that much good, but actually For now, but now, you know, that could be potentially appealing. You know, when I first looked at the temporal operative specialization, I didn't think that much of it. I just thought, oh, it's another one. But actually, given the amount of time I spend in reverse, that could actually be beneficial to me. Don't know if I'm going to give up my intel, but maybe. Just do it enough to unlock the trait and then use the trait. Yeah, possibly. I'd say the trait is interesting, but I don't know if it's as good. I, the balance or the payout, like if you're going in reverse, your bonus defense will drop dramatically. And you're probably going to take quite a bit of damage. Well, assuming that you've got a good bit of firepower coming in. I, I just I don't know if the payout is going to be there for losing that bonus defense. And the small bit of a hull heal that you might get by going backwards. I, I don't know, it's interesting. If you're already using it. So for me, I already use reverse quite a lot. That actually could be beneficial to me because I already play like that. I, I'm not sure it would convince anybody to start reversing all the time. Could you imagine? <laughs> if it's really, Everyone's really good though, backwards. everybody just fly around backwards all the time. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> it would be interesting though. I would have to agree with you, Winters. I didn't see the potential payoff for it. I will slightly admit, when I first read it, I thought that's more like a lockbox trait or something. I didn't see it as being the big shiny that it could be. Yeah. Well, as we already knew, with the launch of Agents of Yesterday, we're also getting a new reputation system called the Temporal Defense Reputation. Temporal marks and the special chronoton buffers can be earned through the new Temporal Defense Q's Days of Doom and Battle of Procyon 5. And by leveling up in the reputation system, players can unlock new space and ground weapons and gear, new traits, and of course, awesome new armor costumes. Now, there's way too much to cover all at once, but I've picked out a few of the highlights that I think you might find interesting. Okay, first off, both space and ground weapons are chronoton-based, which means oodles of rainbow-colored shooty goodness, with some nice bonuses as well. So first up, there's a four-piece ship equipment set with bonuses for two-piece, three-piece, and four-piece sets. For captains who use control and drain, the three-piece bonus boosts those skills for 10 seconds when you use tactical, engineering, or science team. The four-piece bonus is a clickable attack which holds up to four targets within a two-kilometer radius and deals physical damage at the same time. I'm not sure that this set will replace my trusty Iconian three-piece, but remember, even if you don't use them, these pieces can be slotted in your visual slots. Next up is the ship weapon set, again with bonuses for two- and three-piece sets. The two-piece set bonus is a passive increase to energy weapon damage and critical severity, and the three-piece is a clickable ability which increases your weapon's armor and shield penetration for 15 seconds. Now, these might be worth taking a look at. The Universal Console Chronoton Drive Actuator Mark 12 enhances power levels and we can all use a bit more power. Additionally, the beam arrays, dual heavy cannons, and torpedoes all have a chance to increase flight speed, turn rate, shield hardness, and they also, and here's the big one, reduce cooldowns on all bridge officer abilities. Next up is ground gear, which I usually gloss over because I'm not that much of a ground player, but I'm actually considering grinding these out. The personal shield has a chance to boost the damage of energy weapons. 
and the dual pistols have a stacking effect which at critical mass gives you the option of a tertiary weapon fire called dual energy blast and that's in addition to the secondary fire dual compression bolt. Also the three piece set bonus like the four piece space equipment bonus holds targets and does physical damage within a nine meter radius. I'm reluctant to give up my integral remodulator from the Mako set, but maybe this could be an alternative when not fighting the Borg. Too bad there's no loadouts for ground. Hint, hint. There are also some nifty looking kit modules, including a tactical one with micro chroniton torpedoes, and a science one that sounds not unlike a ground-based gravity well. There are a bunch of new traits to unlock as well, including the tier 5 space trait anti-time entanglement singularity, which is a mouthful. When activated, this acts a little like a grav well, but without taking up one of your boff abilities. Of course, it remains to be seen how big the effects of all of these will be, but at least you'll have something to play around with while you're saving up to get your new armor visuals. Which will be more awesome Power Rangers than what we've had before. We've also had more details in some of the 23rd century starships that will be available either via the Temporal Agent packs or individually in the Sea Store. These are the Tier 2 Daedalus class science vessel, the Tier 3 Perseus class escort, the Tier 4 Gemini class cruiser, and the Tier 5 Ranger class temporal battle cruiser, all with snazzy high-def TOS artwork and some nifty universal consoles to boot. Now, most players won't be too bothered about these ships as they level up. They'll all be pretty underpowered at endgame. However, some of the universal consoles may be worth laying down some of that hard-earned zen for. For example, the Tier 3 Perseus class escort comes with the M6 computer, which when activated boosts weapon damage, accuracy, defence, and puts a haste effect on both weapon cycles and tactical bridge officer abilities. As long as you've got the power levels to back it up, this console could provide a huge increase to your damage output. The Photonic Decoy Beacon from the Tier 5 Ranger class Temporal Battlecruiser creates a beacon that enemy ships will target, thinking it's your ship. Not too dissimilar to the famous Picard manoeuvre. You know, the tactical one, not the shirt-tugging one, of course. This one, sadly, can only be equipped on temporal battle cruisers, though. One interesting thing that all of these ships share is what's called the Molecular Reconstruction Mechanic, which looks like it's going to be similar to Romulan Singularity powers, but for feds. Each of these ships can run in either defensive, offensive, or support configuration and will accumulate counters. Once enough counters are generated, you can activate the Molecular Deconstruction Beam, which deals physical damage, disables your target, and heals your hull. The magnitude and duration of these effects depends on how many counters you've accumulated. An interesting little mechanic, and it'll be interesting to see if they use it on any endgame ships that come out in the near future. For more details on all these ships, we'll leave a link to the blog post in our show notes at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO275. And finally, somewhat out of left field, systems designer John Steady, aka Cryptic Rock, posted on the STO forums about a change to the way that specialization point boxes will be handled going forward. Salient points that you need to know. Spec point boxes can now only be opened at level 60, and they will do so automatically. Previously, they could be opened at levels 51 through 60, although you wouldn't actually be able to use the spec points until level 60. I never really understood why you could open them early, so this seems like a pretty sensible change. The choice to make them automatic also makes sense. It now takes a couple fewer clicks to get your spec point. The exception to this is that spec points that are awarded from playing a featured episode 
will remain boxed and they can be traded freely among characters on your account, aka they are account bound. The biggest change that's being made is the introduction or maybe reintroduction of a spec point cap, which will be equivalent to the number of points needed to max out every spec tree currently available, which at the moment on holodeck is 120. After that, spec points will be automatically converted into dilithium. Now, this was the way the system was originally designed, but they took that feature out quite early on, and it looks like they're now putting it back in. Now, this change is causing a little ire amongst players, as you can no longer stockpile spec points in order to max out a new specialization when it comes, but at least you're getting something for it. And if you're clever, like me, you can still stockpile your spec points by just not being a filthy completionist. Wink, wink. Uh, according to CryptoGrok, the motivation for making these changes was, quote, a combination of standardization and some underlying technical hurdles with how the leveling process works, end quote. What do you guys think of this change? <laughs> I, I take the fifth because I've never actually reached that cap before, so... Well, no, neither have I, which is why I don't really understand why people are upset about the the cap coming back in. But it's you, you get dilithium. Or you don't. I don't know. I don't have all my trees maxed out, so... With the cap coming back in and earning dilithium straight away, like, let's say now this new specialization that's coming out, I've got the spec points to completely fill that out on day one. That's the difference. And that's what people are not liking. You can no longer stockpile. Yeah, they've done that with the event ships. And do you know what? I... I get it. I totally get it because it's they they want people to play the game. They don't want you to just sit on a whole bunch of stuff and then get all the new stuff as soon as it comes out. They want everybody to have a similar experience at the beginning, which I get. Yeah, I get it as well. Uh, I suppose it could be argued that you still have to play the game anyway to earn those points, but um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that would be the argument, yes. <laughs> And before we start wrapping up STO news this week, let's have a little bit of housekeeping with some patch notes. Which were small again, although it was a whopper of a patch, and the downtime was extended to six and a half hours. The bulk of that was due to what Cryptic referred to as, quote, back-end updates that will assist our teams with maintaining and improving our server infrastructure, end quote. But there were a couple of fixes that would be good news for anyone having issues with the summer event on Ryza. Resolved an issue which was causing excessive load times when loading into Ryza. Resolved an issue that was causing the Targ HOG to be slower than intended. Removed the system notification about items being unlocked in the store for Ryza's summer scavenger hunt. This message was not meant to be included for this event. Resolved an issue where the Spiral the Great Tower objective for flying high wouldn't complete. There were a couple of other minor fixes that you might be interested in. For the complete list, we'll leave a link in the show notes for this episode at priorityonepodcast.com forward slash PO275. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Thomas Moroni at cryptic underscore TTC tweeted some gifts of the TOS ships being assembled. We'll leave a link in the show notes for you to go check them out for yourself because they're awesome. And Maria Rosso, at Maria Rosso, tweeted, Overheard in Captain Gecko's systems class, I've seen lots of examples of really bad parenting. For the record, I don't think she was talking about, like, human parents. I think they were talking about, like, a systems thing, but... Oh. Interesting insight there. I was saying nothing. I like my job. 
And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. That sneaky featured series is still on the calendar, but really the only upcoming event that you need to worry about is the latest expansion, Agents of Yesterday, which is launching on July the 6th. As always, events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check the in-game calendar or listen in here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates from Star Trek Online. Hello, Captains. This is Henry, a.k.a. Romulan with this month's Star Trek Fan Art Review. This month, I want to share some amateur model starship photography and Photoshop effects. Just about everything for film is done in CGI now, but model photography was popular throughout Star Trek. In fact, Star Trek used studio models exclusively until the Wrath of Khan in 1982. After that, they continued with a mix of CGI and studio models all the way through to the very last scene of Nemesis, which was actually shot with 40-foot models. Everybody's probably familiar with Eagle Moss's Star Trek Starships collection. We've talked about it on the show, and I'd be willing to bet more than one of you subscribes to the whole line. I've been a subscriber for some time myself, and my home office is definitely getting full of these fantastic models. Of course, as soon as these models started shipping in 2012, the talented Star Trek fan artist community started making some really great photos and photo manipulations of these high-quality models. I found a lot of great images on the collection's official Facebook page. I love these shots so much it was really hard for me to find favorites to share, so there are going to be a whole lot of links in this month's show notes. I'll tell you about a few of them here, but I encourage you to check them all out. I found a really awesome image of the Enterprise refit model by John Cartman. It was shot in silhouette with a very bright light flaring in the background. The style feels very much like that of the new movies, yet it doesn't go overboard the way many people feel Abrams' effects team does. This great shot feels iconic and mysterious, and the light shining through the clear blue plastic of the Connie refits nacelles makes it look really powerful. There isn't a lot of detail in this shot because of the intense lighting effect, but it's still a great shot of this beautiful model. Another great piece I came across on the Star Trek Starships Collection Facebook page was made by artist David Taylor. It's a beautiful image of Voyager on a vibrant orange and white background. It has a grainy effect applied which makes it look rugged and worn. The washed out colors on Voyager's hull in contrast to the colorful background make the shot look really alive and powerful. I love the use of deep purples to create depth and texture in the background too. Now as I said, choosing specific works to share this month was really difficult because there were so many great designs from so many talented fan artists. That said, I've got to share one more. I've linked several designs by fan artist Colin Mary. His work is fantastic. My personal favorite is an image of the USS Thunderchild hunting two Jem'Hadar ships. The details on the ship photos are fantastic, and his lighting is consistent on all three models. The purple background is beautiful and complements the Jem'Hadar theme. I really like the flow of the composition as well. I absolutely love searching through sites like DeviantArt.com, Google Image Search, and YouTube looking for great content to share with you every month, and I appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot, Captains, and I'll see you next month with more great Star Trek fan art. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And here's a reminder of what we asked you last week. What character from the current Star Trek films could they not make the next film without? 
First up, listener Hayden Jones sent us a voicemail. Have a listen. Priority One Podcast, this is Hayden Jones calling from Toronto, Canada. When you ask which character we can't live without in the next Star Trek movie, for me, that's going to be Uhura. And the reason for that? Well, she's Smurfette. She's the only female character they have in the principal cast. I was really hoping they'd give a cameo or something to Carol Marcus, but I don't think that's going to be the case in the next movie. Anyways, when I see the movie, I just don't want to see a sausage fest. This is Hayden from Toronto, signing out. Now, I really like this idea, actually. Well, one thing that Hayden brought up, which was the Bechdel test, which, uh, to my knowledge, pretty much none of Star Trek ever has ever passed. Uh, I would like to see them start passing it, please. Well, I mean, come on. Into Darkness, her character was just so underserved. It was almost insulting. What, Uhura? Yes. It was really just insulting how underserved her character was. I mean, all she did was complain, right? That all she did, all she had the entire film was relationship troubles, which was insulting. It just really was insulting to her character, to who Uhura is. Yeah, and it's pretty indicative. Well, both of the films, really. Her and Carol Marcus were mostly there for hmm, a bit of relationship interest, a bit of shirtless interest, I suppose. And that was kind of it. There was no substance to those characters. Not balanced. It certainly wasn't balanced. It wasn't balanced. They didn't live up to the potential that they could have used those characters for. I was disappointed. Well, not just the potential, but even just the exi- what we know of the characters already, right? I mean, Uhura is a strong character, and it, it was a st- it continued to be established not th- not only in the original series but throughout the films as well. She's not just another woman on the bridge. She's an integral part of that team. Yeah, and now she's Spock's girlfriend. Right, right. Yeah, and don't get me started on Carol Marcus. Now, I was trying to figure out with Carol Marcus, so this is presumably her first meeting with Kirk, which sets up, well, okay, we're in a different universe, but then it's only later in The Wrath of Khan when she's a bit more jaded. I love her line there. She's like, uh, Jim Kirk was many things, but he was not a Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of sets it up for that. I just think it's a, well... It, as, as most people think, it was a bit of a shame for her to take her top off, but you know, hey. But yeah, uh, more passing the Bechdel test, please. David S. posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, how could it be a Star Trek film without all the characters? If you're going to get rid of one, might as well get rid of most and just have a film with Spock and McCoy. <laughs> just be two old people arguing. It'd be the, it'd be the Muppets. <laughs> it's Tyler and Waldorf. Yes. Yeah, they could be sat like in an office at Starfleet Academy, making snarky comments about the new recruits. <laughs> be good. Ken from Chicago tweeted, "None. Hashtag Star Trek has already shown it transcends any one character. Great Trek films can be about any character. Hashtag Trek logic. I really want to say I disagree with that. Yeah, but but what about Voyager and Deep Space Nine? Those weren't Enterprises." And they weren't remakes. You know, okay, I'm going to talk about our other favorite star-based franchise. Star Wars has got Rogue One coming out. Is it this year? I actually think that sounds really interesting. It's a really cool concept. And that's something that is in the Star Wars universe and has not really anything to do with any of the main characters that we've come to know and love. And it's not, you know... Yeah, but that could be said about Voyager. Yeah, agreed. But what I'm saying, but we're talking about the film. So we're talking about the current film franchise. It'd be really weird to go off and just like make another film that didn't have any of the Enterprise crew in it. It'd be weird, but I think they could possibly make it work because I think the concept that they've done with Rogue One kind of works. So as long as they slotted it in, 
Maybe. But I think it would be an uphill battle. And they've already got a lot of uphill battles with that franchise. Shemrosky posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Uhura, it has to mean something and not destroy the chances of more movies. I don't think they have developed the characters other than Kirk, Spock, Uhura enough for it to really hurt. I feel like all they gave McCoy are comedic relief one-liners. For our second community question, which part of the Star Trek Online Ryza event are you looking forward to the most? Lieutenant Dan posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I want to get my Ferengi tune and some beach apparel. Space Barbie seems appropriate when STO throws a beach party. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. James Sillip posted on Facebook, Sitting out Riser this year, was all up in it last year and got burnt out. Agents of yesterday can't come soon enough. You know man, when you're tired of Riser, you're tired of life. And especially moving on to our last comment. Sean Newboy posted on prior to onepodcast.com. Wonderful show, everyone. Excellent reviews of the Trek clothes. Although I have no intention of buying either one. Aw, Sean. Sean, you know you do. Don't. Come on. We're all going to be sporting it at STLV. Elijah is. Come on. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) I'm still going to have my hands full. Well, that wraps it up for episode 275 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. From our Star Trek Online news segment, are the new temporal bridge officers enough to tempt you into buying a new temporal ship to make use of them? Captains, you know we love hearing from you and your opinions. So leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. It's free. All you need is a microphone. Just click on the widget right on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you are listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review. And more importantly, help spread the word about the show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria Depost, and Gavin Lawarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
transfer complete. So much so that major console companies like PlayStation, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. I did not do that. But boy, Winters. I almost, it almost you're came out too. You're my freaking hero. That almost got me. That the, you almost did, got it me. did. I, the thing is, I thought you wrote that. And I thought, wow, that's, that is a, that's no. a good use for VR. <laughs> now with your Oculus Rift, Play a place. Why, <laughs> God? Why? With your Oculus Rift, Playboy I mean, VR, or HTC Vive. So well. <clears throat> We're thrilled to announce that several members of the crew will be in attendance this year at the Creation Entertainment Star Trek Las Vegas convention. We have finally so secured our table. Lie. What? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I know it's. Uh, it's <laughs> and I know it's probably because it's one. But. You don't sound thrilled. <laughs> Love you. So we're very excited to uh, to make this announcement official. Uh, you know, again, we'll be there to celebrate the 30th with so many of you. Uh, and uh, the 30th. All right. That was like a four. Do you think you could read that again with more sincerity? <laughs> Listen, all she did was add the word really. Hey, I all right. I wasn't gonna say anything, I but I giggled. <laughs> she's like, she's like, all right. I did jumping jacks. In priority on podcast news, we are really thrilled to announce that several members of the crew will be. T- that. <laughs> oh, jeez. I was smiling when I said it. Everything. Right. I lifted my eyebrows. I did all the tricks, Elijah. I tried. <laughs> I tried really hard. <laughs> and it just wasn't enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> She added, she, but you added really. I'll give you that. I you tried really. my best. <laughs> <laughs> oh just... no! Oh no! Are you crying? <laughs> now let's get Mark in on this discussion and find out what's been happening this week in Star Trek Online. All right, hit step. I'm only in the nude mood. Tell me you were recording that. I was. I was. I was still Blooper. recording. <laughs> You haven't stopped, Kenna, have you? Dang, no, I haven't stopped. Oh, that's awesome. fantastic. <laughs> I'm totally in the nude. Bum, bum. On Star <laughs> Trek Voyeur. <laughs> this week on Star Trek Voyeur. I'm only Can in I the nude. Recording? I'm only in the nude. <laughs> All right, uh, stop. Well, if that doesn't oh, okay. sell tickets, I don't know what will. <laughs> God. <laughs> Which will be a primary specialization, but can be used as a secondary if you only want to benefit from the first 15 abilities offer- officers. No. <laughs> I did so I, well I, I at the start. I like to benefit from the first 15 available officers. <laughs> boop, boop. <Huh>? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guys. Oh, yeah, definitely going to have my hands full in Vegas. Bring it, bring it back. Bring, <laughs> bring it, it back. back. Bring it back. <laughs> oh. Let's do another community question. How many times <laughs> have we said f***ing temporal in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Told you at the start, it's going to lose all meaning. Called the temporal. Oh, she's typing it again. I have to. <laughs> I, you don't know. You don't. I, I don't go off script. I don't like to go off script. It freaks me out.
I do. I love it. <sighs> right. Um. Well, as we already knew, with the eight, with the oh, for God's sake. <laughs> It's gonna be a long night. See, it swapped about. Normally, I'm the one that makes mistakes. I know. Really early on, <laughs> and I started really well. I'm struggling on the word the. No. <laughs> it's actually well, as, not the. <laughs> oh, maybe that's. Probably. <laughs> as we knew already. I know, but it's I'm tripping up on with the launch of Agents of Yesterday. These are the Tier 2 Daedalus Class Science Vessel, the Tier 3 Person. I, I had this earlier. Perseus. Perseus. I had it and then I stumbled on it. Daedalus class. Perseus class. Gemini class. Ranger class. All combined together to form the mighty Megazord. Never mind. (laughs) 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 Go, go, Power Rangers. See, I've embedded it in there. Mm -hmm. It's never a thing. I will accumulate counters and I'm doing that again because I fucked up the word accumulate. Accumulate. Tongue's too big for your mouth. It actually is. Hi, can I get a tongue reduction? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you do your tongue exercises before you came on tonight? Yes. I always sing at least five karaoke songs. I'm doing like a sharpie of High School Musical too. Oh, God. Oh yeah, okay. That might be a pretty obscure reference. It might be, I but I don't think Winters has really watched a lot of High School Musical. This is when uh, I was reading it and I burst into song there. You are the music. We're all in this together. Na, na, na. Okay, we're moving all on. In this together. We're team. We're team. Okay, we're team twenty-four minutes. I don't even remember. Go on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> I don't even know where we are on the script anymore. Nailed it. Nice one. Yep. Ear high five. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> I hit my hand. on the mic there, buddy. I hit my hand. I hit my hand on the spring that's holding up my mic. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Wow. I've gone all croaky. <clears throat> Did you hear that? It was like... Oh yeah. I just Hope aged about me. 30 years in one sentence. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Thanks to our Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> you did you did hesitate though. <laughs> to I could I could hear the gears turning Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> Hang on. But it could have been. Like that's that was the thing is I was like, "Wait, did they start adding Dungeons and Dragons and I didn't get a memo?" Uh, it would have been so funny if you read it.